This is The Bouquet Toss, a wedding planning podcast brought to you by TheBudgetSavvyBride.com to help you decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. Welcome back to The Bouquet Toss. Food and beverage costs can take up a large chunk of your budget, but don't worry, this is expected at weddings. It's best to give your guests sustenance if your event will last more than four hours or if it occurs near or during a time when people are typically going to eat a meal. In most cases, that's lunch or dinner or sometimes brunch. Finding affordable catering can be a tall order, but you can make your budget work for you by being savvy about your food choices, considering alternatives to traditional caterers, or opting for certain service styles. In this episode, we'll help you brainstorm your wedding menu, as well as the different ways you could go about serving it, so you can compare the available options and choose the one that's best for you. Who doesn't love talking about food? I mean, this is one of my favorite subjects, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be very hungry by the end of this. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I feel like we're going to be encouraging everybody to be hungry with this, because I think the first thing we would suggest to do is to sit down with your partner and ask yourselves questions about food, your favorite foods, what food means in your relationship, what food means overall to your wedding values. So let's go through these five specific questions that are a good place to start. Yeah, exactly. So starting out by discussing what are each of your favorite foods? Do you have a favorite restaurant or favorite meals, especially things that maybe you've eaten together or that have a special significance to you? Yeah, I feel like there's a big pressure here to think about all of your guests and like try to accommodate what every single person would want, which is very hard, especially the bigger your guest list gets. So narrowing it down to like specifically what you and your partner really love could be helpful. Also, maybe your favorite restaurant is like able to cater your wedding or maybe you even have it there. Like it could help pick some of your other options as well by just like kind of getting started talking about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Next up is considering if there are any dietary restrictions or allergies that you need to keep in consideration, obviously between the two of you, but also within like your nearest and dearest family members and friends on your guest list. Really the only way to make sure you can accommodate everybody is to make sure you're opening this communication about it, right? Asking either on the RSVP card or somewhere within your wedding website, allowing a place for people to put those preferences. And then also when you're creating the wedding menu, just kind of trying to provide options, have things that are all kind of, you know, different so that you'll cover each of those potential things that somebody might be looking to avoid. Yeah. And obviously there's lots of people as well these days who don't eat meat. And so having some sort of like veggie friendly option available is usually a good idea no matter what. But yeah, these are all super important to consider when you're putting together your menu. Um, The next one is, you know, what's more your style? Do you want something that's like a sit down serviced meal? Are you cool with doing a buffet, which obviously has gotten a little bit trickier in pandemic times? Or do you want past appetizers, sort of cocktail style service, or something completely different, maybe like a food truck or something more casual? There's lots of different options and it kind of depends on like what your vibe is, what you're going for and the kind of like experience you want to give your guests as well. Yeah. Another one is to really think about how important food is in terms of like your overall wedding values. Obviously it can be 
probably like the biggest chunk of expense when it comes to your budget. And for some people, a wedding is about food, right? Getting people together and like feeding them and having amazing food together. For some people, that's like truly what it is about. And for some people, it's not at all. And so getting clear on like how you and your partner feel about that, I think is the most important. I think that there's so much pressure that couples can feel like when they're planning an event like this, because a lot of guests show up kind of being like, I'm going to eat everything because it's a wedding. If that's not what you and your partner are going for, that is totally fine. You just set the tone, maybe like temper expectations, kind of like, you know, your invitation can even show like what kind of experience the event is going to be. Like whatever it is that you want to have, anything goes. We have to try to toss the pressure of like other people thinking this is like their moment to eat every single possible thing that they can and drink everything and yeah. For sure. The final question on our list is, are we comfortable doing any aspect of this on our own or potentially with the help of family? We actually just published an article on thebudgetsavvybride.com about how to cater your own wedding if your budget is super tight and this is a route that you want to consider going. There's some great advice in that article. We'll include it in the show notes just about how to best organize yourself to go about a task this large because feeding especially a large group of people is not a simple task. (laughs) Let's put it that way. And so, you know, you and your partner really need to get honest with yourselves about, is this something that because of our budget that we may need to look at doing some aspects ourselves? And if so, like, are we comfortable with that? Or do we have people who can help us execute? Yeah, often there are people within your circle, your family, your friends, who maybe like love being, they're the person who hosts every holiday, they're the person who likes to throw parties, you might have people around you that are really used to creating a menu for a larger group of people already. And so employing their help is a great idea. For sure. So we've got some ways that you can save, regardless of if you're going to do it yourself or if you're going to use professionals. But I think one of the things to really think about that's the most important is like the actual food that you choose can really affect the expense. Some foods like, you know, steak or like a fish or, you know, options like that can be a lot more expensive than let's say pasta or tacos or something like that, right? So already by picking the types of food on your menu, you can already be stretching your budget a little bit further potentially, regardless of, you know, if you're getting it yourself or if you have a professional providing it. Um, But I love to to encourage those non-traditional options. I feel like everybody loves a food truck. It's like so interactive. It's like a, you know, it's such a fun thing. Even if your meal isn't that, some people do a food truck as a dessert or as like a fun attraction or, you know, focal point of the wedding at some point or like take home snack and that kind of stuff. Everyone always remembers a food truck. So it's a very fun trend and I'm I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. I, one of my really good friends had a late night food truck at like the towards the end of her reception that had like sliders and fries and it really came in clutch like for that you know end of the night when you'd been drinking and dancing and you needed something to just like settle you for the night so um I was a big fan of that and I loved just the interactive kind of like experience that you get yeah 
And I feel like people might think, how could that be budget savvy? Like, how could adding another thing be savvy? And, you know, we get that concern. But if food is something you want your guests to walk away from the experience remembering, or that just even personally, like you want a food truck at the end of the night on your wedding day, then budgeting for that and cutting back in other areas is really like the way to go. Because ultimately, not feeling like you had to skimp on something like that is what will make you feel like you had the best wedding for you. Absolutely. So in terms of like, other non-traditional options, I think a lot of us think about wedding food as like, chicken or fish, you know, like that kind of cliche, like, oh, the the chicken is like overcooked, and it's dry, and it's boring, you know, with like a vegetable medley next to it or whatever. So I really love seeing couples kind of break those rules and serving, you know, maybe your favorite like ethnic food, like Thai or Mexican or, you know, something that's just a little bit different. Food is also a really good opportunity to honor your heritage and like honor your family. Yeah. So if you have parts of your family that are from different places, incorporating foods that they love is a really cool way of like meshing the two families getting married together. You know, it could be really representative of that as well. Um, I think like so much kind of goes into the food aspect of it that getting clear on like the picture of what you imagine. We talk about like the sensory experience of planning your wedding. We talked about this like at the beginning of this season, like what do you see? What do you taste? What do you smell? And taste is huge. And it's like going through that for yourself. And then also for what your guests might taste is such a great way to get clear on like what you think you might want. I think that also like presentation is key you can make things look fancier. You can kind of like elevate any of these food options just by the way that it's presented, the way that it's served, what it's served on, where it's located within the venue. Like there's a lot of things just to think about. And so, especially if you're working with professionals, like they're going to have a lot of ideas about like where those things can go. And if you're doing it yourself, really like doing some research from other weddings, seeing the ways people did it, like what did they do that made it feel like it seamlessly fit in with everything um, is a really good way to go. And then I also think thinking about like a combination of things. You don't have to go like it's sit down and that's it. You could have past appetizers for a little while and like then a buffet or like you can you can do things that are kind of different and then, you know, we'll get there soon. But dessert could be an entire other like category, right? (laughs) So kind of like mixing and matching the styles of the food that you're serving, I think is also a good idea. Um, And then it's also something to think about, like if you want your guests up and dancing the whole night, like that's what you picture is everybody like really living it up on the dance floor. Having that sit down moment, like that is going to be a moment where everyone is going to not be on the floor. So like you're going to have a decided in the reception activity to have a sit down dinner. And so maybe that's a reason that you don't want it that way. Maybe you would rather people be able to just grab food as they want and kind of like keep everything free flowing. Yeah, I I definitely agree. It's like it makes it a lot more possible for guests to mingle amongst themselves and 
especially if you, you know, design your reception with like cocktail tables instead of like the big sit down round tables. Obviously, you might want to have some chairs to the side for like grandma, grandpa, if they need to take a break and sit down for sure. But, um, you know, that can really help encourage that vibe that you're wanting for like the party if you are wanting like more dancing and more activity throughout the reception. Yeah. And then you don't need a seating chart and you don't need escort cards. So you've just saved (laughs) savvy choices. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, yeah, so serving light bites like that is is great. Either, you know, having them on buffet tables or having them, you know, a few different past apps during cocktail hour and then having maybe like a grazing table or some sort of situation where, you know, guests can like fill up their plates and, and eat at a cocktail table and then get back out on the dance floor makes it easy and um, is a great option. Yeah. Another option that we will always love to encourage is brunch. I don't think anyone doesn't like brunch, right? (laughs) And then also you're getting the double whammy of savings because typically that means you're having an earlier reception. I love brunch for so many reasons. Like you said, like earlier, your event's going to take place earlier in the day. Everything is likely to come at a lower cost than like a prime Saturday night rate, first of all. Second of all, like the food is a lot more affordable. We're talking like eggs and pastries and, you know, things like that. They can be a lot lower cost than obviously serving like a steak dinner. Also during the day, like you can have, you know, brunch cocktails like Bloody Marys or mimosas, you know, but people probably won't drink nearly as much for a morning wedding as they would at like an evening reception. So that's a good cost saver as well. Very good to think about. When it comes to weddings, everyone's looking for something that sparkles. No, we're not talking about diamonds. We're talking about Prosecco. When we think of romance, fun, laughter, joy, and friendship, we think of Prosecco. But not just any Prosecco. Iconic fashion designer Vera Wang just launched Vera Wang Party, a premium Italian Prosecco that's the perfect addition to your toast to the special couple at any wedding. This classic Italian Prosecco sparkler is light and refreshing with a playful yet sophisticated tone. Vera Wang Party is available wherever you buy wine, and if you don't see it, just ask for it. Or visit verawangparty.com and order it right to your house. Plus, listeners of the Bouquet Toss can use promo code SAVVY to save 15% on your order. So as you plan all of your wedding events, from the engagement party to the bridal shower, bachelorette, and even farewell brunch, let Vera Wang Party be the life of your party. And don't forget to follow at Vera Wang Party on Instagram for exclusive cocktails, party planning tips, and everything else party-related. Alcohol, beverages, this is an entire other category that you have to consider. And so definitely a point of contention that a lot of couples feel, you know, some people expect to show up to like an open bar at a wedding. And that doesn't mean you have to do that, right? It's one of the biggest expenses to have the wedding be that way. So like we said, like a brunch situation kind of takes that off the table, which is kind of cool. Another thing you can try to do is serve only wine and beer. That can cut down on a lot of the costs with like the other alcohol. Also, you know, no alcohol is always an option. 
there's so many like cool mocktails that you could do that people would love and enjoy. And you can still have signature mocktails instead of signature cocktails. And then we've also mentioned this before, but if you do the alcohol and the beverages yourself, you have the option to either buy wholesale, which can save you a lot, or do like a sock the bar party and have people contribute alcohol, maybe like at your bridal shower or your bachelorette or anything like that, people can contribute alcohol. Even I feel like you could, that could be like a thing that you could say like in lieu of, you know, an extra gift or whatever it is, like, please bring your favorite BYOB, you know, bring your favorite drink. <laughs> um, you know, you could get creative with it. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of it really hinges upon like we've talked about and like we emphasized in our episode about choosing your venue. If you can find a venue that will allow you to bring your own alcohol and supply that alcohol, you have more control over the cost per bottle. You can choose the brands you like, you can buy wholesale, you can go to Costco or Sam's or a place like that um, to stock up, to stock your bar for a much more affordable price and you're not paying like restaurant or professional venue markup on that alcohol. I mean, it can really be a huge savings like of at least 50%, if not more, by being able to choose the alcohol you want to serve yourself. The other part with choosing is also working in the alcohol with the food menu. If you are choosing to do like a taco type thing, like, or maybe like there's a taco food truck or something like that, maybe then you only do like tequila and margaritas, you know, you can make it themed. And that way you don't have to be covering every possible single option that somebody would want to order. People will still find what they like. And it could be like, worked into the theme of the wedding yeah totally you could also do sangria which is a great option because it stretches the wine a bit further when you make it in a big batch what a good idea i love a sangria great for anybody doing the ciy or cater it yourself (laughs) is diy sangria as your alcohol it's a great idea love it so not only are you thinking about food beverages, you know, last but maybe not least, dessert is an entire other category. And now just to preface this, you could just have dessert only like cake and punch receptions are definitely a thing. We featured a bunch on the real wedding section of the blog as well. And you can have so many people if the only food that you're serving is the cake or the dessert like that is definitely an option. And so kind of getting savvy with like the time that your reception is, maybe it's not necessary to have a full meal and then you can just do the dessert. If dessert is really a big thing for you as a couple, I think you should also remember that if you have a ton of other, like, you know, you have a cocktail hour and then you have all the main entrees, by the time you get to dessert, people are like, so stuffed, (laughs) you know, like, and it can be awesome if you have like takeaway boxes and people can take it it home with them, but you can't actually ensure that they're definitely going to eat it. And then it might go to waste. It might be an expense that like you really didn't need to spend so much on. So giving yourself that feeling of like, if we are serving this whole full meal, we don't necessarily need a full dessert bar, like a full dessert experience. You know, there's so many hacks that you can have with 
serving cake, if you have like a big sheet cake that you cut up and serve to guests and have just a small cake for you and your spouse to cut, it's such a good switcheroo kind of cake saver, especially if you're not so concerned with people having every single type of dessert at their disposal at your wedding. Yeah, for sure. I think also keeping in mind that a lot of the cost involved in wedding cakes has to do with like the labor and the time, right? Especially if there's like ornate decorations and designs. And so choosing like a cake style that is very like simple and classic. I always recommend buttercream over fondant. For one thing, it tastes a heck of a lot better. <laughs> fondant tastes like cardboard to me, honestly, like just not a fan. <laughs> I have very, very, I think I may have had one fondant cake that I was like, oh, that was actually pretty good. They look beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but just not the tastiest. So I think choosing something simple uh, is a great way to save on the cost of your cake. And then also a lot of like those specialty flavors can add additional costs. So going simple for like basic vanilla or almond is really popular choice for wedding cakes or even just chocolate. Yeah, like that's what people's palates probably want anyway. I know there's like this urgency to feel like oh well it's my wedding it has to be like elderflowers <laughs> like, <laughs> white chocolate with raspberry like goulash filling or whatever <laughs> right and like ultimately not everyone really even likes that so they probably won't eat it and then what was the point yeah it's it's very true and I hear it so often um, and in, you know, my time working on actual wedding days, seeing how much cake is left over at the end of the day, much more than just the top tier left for you and your spouse to enjoy on your anniversary, there's often an entire separate box of cake that either gets sent home with like the families or tossed in the trash. Nobody wants to see that kind of wastefulness. So Right. I also think that favors is one thing that we just talk a lot about in terms of keep it, toss it, what do you do? And ultimately, a really good option for favors is something edible because it's likely that people will actually eat it. And dessert is a great way to send people home with like a favor that they might want to eat. I went to a wedding recently where there was an entire cookie table with to-go boxes. I'm telling you, I've never seen so many cookies in my life. And it was like <laughs> the mother of the groom had like she enlisted all of this help. A bunch of different family members made different flavored cookies and it all came together. And then it was like the perfect thing for the guests to pack up and take home with them or to even eat while they were there. And then they had a smaller cake for the actual like cake cutting part. And literally, I think they were like, who wants cake? And like, if you wanted it, you went up and took a piece, but if it wasn't cut and put at everybody's seat to just waste it, if not everybody wanted it. Right. I love the idea of like to-go boxes to take things home. And I think like as a guest, people like that's fun for people. The other thing with cakes is to remember that grocery stores can actually provide you with the best wedding cake hacks that you'd ever even imagine. We've seen like some awesome things where people have put together different cakes, like made them into a four or five tier spectacular creation, literally just cakes from like, Costco or Sam's Club or Publix, then they take flowers, they take little pieces of decoration and they put them on and it's a simple look. It's simple to pull off 
And it goes such a long way. It can like really make such a big impression. And if you're worried about doing it yourself and like it not coming out great, the money you're going to save by going that option, like you could probably do a test run, (laughs) donate the cake or something because that's a lot of cake to waste, but you could do a test run and like figure it out and, you know, be sure that it's going to work and then still go that route and save a ton. Yeah, for sure. I think there's definitely some considerations to be had where that's concerned, you know, in terms of like um, vertical cake assembly. Um, you want to make sure you have like the proper supports in place because just a, a cake on top of a cake is is not going to be stable. So um, yeah, but like, who doesn't watch Great British Bake Off at this point? Like, <laughs> there are so many shows. Everyone's watching Nailed It, right? We know what not to do. I feel like you can do, there's so much content out there to give you enough information like, and for you to do enough research to be able to do this type of thing. If it's something that you feel like, you know, some people are just like, absolutely not, no. But I think it's it's 100% a DIY option for a lot of people. And like, yes, as you said, if you're stacking cakes, you need dowels. Right? <laughs> Plain and simple. Don't just like stack cakes and expect them not to sink into each other. But it is something you could potentially pull off and save some money with. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's all about arming yourself with like the best information and trial runs are always a good idea. Yeah. And I think just coming back to with cake, but also with all food and drink at your wedding, you really do have to figure out like what feels most important to you. I love to like considering dessert alternatives instead of cakes, because as we all know, cakes can be very expensive, especially if you get them from a professional, but maybe like you and your partner don't even like cake. A lot of people don't. It's actually a real thing. Yeah. So like cookies or pies or, you know, I've seen couples like have like hot Krispy Kreme donuts delivered to their wedding receptions. Um, I mean, who who doesn't love a hot Krispy Kreme? I mean, come on. like Krispy Kreme truck. Uh, yeah. Love that. My dad went to a wedding that had a Krispy Kreme truck and he will never stop talking about it. <laughs> you could do like an ice cream bar. I love Make that. Make your own Sunday. I'm a big ice cream fan. I'm into that idea. And again, these things can kind of like work with the rest of the menu. And so it might make a lot of sense to pick one over the other and it like kind of goes with the theme. And then it takes the pressure off of having to have every single option under the sun. Absolutely. That sound means it's time for Wedding Watch, a segment of the Bouquet Talks where we discuss iconic wedding moments from our favorite TV shows and movies. If you wanna hit pause and watch the clip we're talking about today, head to our Wedding Watch playlist on YouTube. The link is in the show notes. This week's Wedding Watch is Father of the Bride. We have to have you make your confession that you had not watched this movie until we decided to cover it. I thought you were gonna let me get away with not saying that. (laughs) Okay, it's true, I hadn't seen it. So I fully watched it and I love it. I want to watch it again. It was fabulous. I mean, it's literally the entire movie is wedding planning. Have I not seen this? (laughs) What I think is so interesting is obviously like we talk 
a lot about and we think a lot about i think as you know brides or grooms like going through the wedding planning process about our own emotions and like the roller coaster involved in wedding planning as the couple who's actually getting married but in this movie you get to see like the emotions of the dad the central character and It really kind of puts it into perspective, I think, how this whole journey of getting married impacts your family, too. Yeah, it's so true. And it also puts perspective on the person spending the money on the wedding, like their whole journey, emotional journey with it. And so it could make you stop and think, you know, if you are getting help from family members or anybody like that, it's not just the monetary thing. Like there is so much emotional attachment to the money being spent on the wedding, Um, so if you are, you know, it's a reason to feel proud of being able to do it yourself if you are, because then you also don't have to worry about your dad being like, I paid all this money and I never had a bite of food. I was moving cars with two six-year-olds who can't (laughs) drive, but we put them behind the wheel so they could move all the cars that were blocking, that were a fire hazard on their street. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the dad, uh, George Banks, he's like the budget savvy dad. He's really, he's really focused on the expense of it all. And um, yeah, and like looking for ways to make it cheaper. And, you know, the second that his daughter says that she is thinking that having it at home would be nice. I mean, his mind goes to a little barbecue and his wife is like, "Uh, no. But, you know, he's he's really like trying to do it in a savvy way. Ultimately, I think we learned through this that just because they chose to have it at home did not make it more budget friendly. It, you know, they keep talking about how like it's two fifty ahead, like, and you know, his his worst case scenario would have been one fifty ahead, and it's just like, you know, and to be fair, I mean, they transformed that house. Yes, the tent that they had everything in looked like a professional space, so. Did we get an idea of how many guests there were? I don't know if I picked up on that. I don't know. So at one point they had like gotten a count from like the groom's family and it was something like 500 people. I'm not sure if they touched on where they landed at, but you did see like the scene of them like looking at their RSVP cards and like nobody declined. So they just like kept putting them in the yes pile. I don't know that we actually got a look or like a, a full number. Right. You know. I, I don't see how and there's any way possible that there was actually 500 people at a wedding that took place at someone's house. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you could possibly do that. But there was just like a wild number of people on the groom's side, specifically the groom's parents' side. Yeah, for sure. So in terms of the savvy choices they did make, I guess technically kind of getting married at home could be considered a savvy choice. But they, instead of splurging on the venue in particular, they splurged on transforming that space into a professional style of venue. Also of note, they got married on January 6th, which is definitely an off-peak wedding date. January is not a very popular month to get married, so maybe they saved on some of their vendors. Who knows? That is a very good point. Also, I don't think that they saved in any way because of the wedding planner that they used. No. (laughs) (laughs) Martin Short playing like this wacky French wedding planner who like is trying to encourage them to pick like the theme and the style based off the cake. Like he wants them to pick their cake first. And it's like all the opposite of the savvy things we talk about truly. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, I do really think that like the intentions were for there to be a budget savvy father of the bride. I think in reality, a lot of things kind of got in the way, but that's, that is reality. That is what can easily happen, you know, in the stress of planning the wedding and all of that. One thing I need to know is, did they invent wedding sneakers? Is this movie the responsible party for wedding sneakers? Because that's a good question. George Banks, right? He owns a sneaker factory. He has a pair specifically made for his daughter. They're all white. They have like lace on them. And I, the second I saw it, I literally like jotted down on my phone app. Did they invent the wedding sneaker? (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) I mean, that's savvy. Yeah, for sure. I I wonder. I wonder if that's where the trend kind of originated. Now you have, you know, Kate Spade kids and like super Everything. glittery, you know, people adorn their Adidas with pearls and rhinestones to have that comfort, but also in a bridal aesthetic. Right. So they might be responsible for that. Way to go, George Banks. Trendsetter. I mean, the opening monologue, I think I wrote it down because it's like, The dad is sitting down at the end of the night and kind of recapping. He says, I used to think a wedding was a simple affair. Boy and girl meet. They fall in love. He buys a ring. She buys a dress and they say, I do. I was wrong. That's getting married. A wedding is an entirely different proposition. And it's so true. Damn. Mic drop. Ending it right there. There you go. And that concludes our weekly wedding watch. Want to hear us chat about one of your favorite scenes? DM us on Instagram and let us know what we need to watch and chat about on future episodes. Another savvy option for the DIY inclined is to do something like a potluck situation. Can you talk more about what that would look like? Yeah, I think, you know, if budget is truly a concern and you're having maybe a more intimate wedding, I'd say like 50 guests or less, this would probably be a reasonable option. Obviously, it depends on people in your circle and all of that. But I think if you've ever been to a Southern potluck before or a potluck anywhere in the country, basically, it's just asking your guests to arrive with a dish of some sort. Maybe you ask them to bring side dishes or casseroles or things like that, and you provide the meat or the main course, it can just be a good way to like subsidize. I think a lot of people would potentially turn their nose up at this idea, asking your guests to arrive with something else in hand besides, you know, like themselves and potentially a gift, you know, but it truly depends on like your community, the people you're inviting to your wedding. And if this is something that is kind of the norm where you're from, no one's going to think any different of it. And at the end of the day, it's one of those things you have to really ask yourself and your partner, does this make sense for us? You know, would we want to put that kind of request upon our guests? All of those sorts of things. But it's one of those options that if you truly are on a tight budget and you think that your community would support you in that choice, why not? Yeah, it all comes back to really figuring out like how food fits into your values and how food kind of fits into like the overall story of your wedding. 
sometimes for people, the thought of having to coordinate a menu like this and put all that together is enough for them to be like, you know what, actually eloping seems more right for us. Mm -hmm. And so even just having that conversation might be a way that you guys can like come upon what you really think the vision of your wedding is going to look like. Food is one of those big factors that can really actually affect the overall picture of what your wedding is. It can ultimately affect the size you want, the location you want, the venue you want, the theme you want, and just like the feel that you want. So getting started by talking about food will never be a bad idea. And you know what? Like it's a great excuse for you and your partner to try new foods together or set aside time to like go to a restaurant or you know sharing good food and and drinks with the people who mean the most to you like that's that's a celebration any any time you've been listening to the bouquet toss a podcast brought to you by the budget savvy bride we would love for you to join us in our free private community to get support and inspiration from other couples currently planning their weddings too Consider the bouquet tossed in your direction so you can rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. As always, stay savvy and stay tuned for our next episode. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come through. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.